Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture as we kick off a new week. Thanks for joining us and letting us be part of your day. I hope you had a good weekend. I know a lot of the country still dealing with the winter weather. We're going to talk about that with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino a little bit later on, see what uh, we have uh, in this week ahead coming up weather-wise. Also joining us today, Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Bravo AgriFinance. A lot of numbers came out on Friday. We'll go through them and uh, see what Steve Nicholson has to say about some of those numbers and uh, where we go from here. And speaking of numbers, we'll also get the thoughts on those reports uh, from John Newton, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, and also talk more about the uh, uh, the dairy program options available to producers uh, through the Farm Bill. So we'll get into all that a little bit later on. Just a reminder that tomorrow and Wednesday, I will be in Orlando, Florida for the National Ethanol Conference. Well, joining me now to kick things off with a look at the news, Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. And here we are, countdown towards another government shutdown. I keep hearing that uh, Congress doesn't have the stomach for another one, but yet uh, no deal yet. Well, good morning, Mike. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And yes, we felt pretty optimistic talking to lawmakers on Friday. They headed into the weekend thinking that they were making good progress on a deal. But then when you listen to folks talk on Sunday morning, you could tell that things had fallen apart. And, you know, it's one thing to have a debate over whether we need what is now a border barrier. Nobody wants to use the word wall so that they uh, can avoid that controversial term, I guess. But in addition to whether or not they're going to give President Trump over $5 billion for the wall, it looks like they're not. It looks closer to $2 billion. Uh, they raised a different concern, and that is that the Democrats really want to limit the number of unauthorized immigrants who can be detained by ICE once they get into the country. They want, them, uh, they want ICE to focus on criminals and those who may be more suspect. And um, so this became a, another demand that uh, became very controversial. So in a, instead of having what was hoped to be a deal today on Monday that then they could get through the respective chambers and approve before the uh, funding package expires at midnight Friday, uh, it seems like we're kind of back to square one on some of these things. So stay tuned. Um, we'll see if they can, uh, cooler heads can prevail and, and they can yet reach a deal. Because as you said, I don't think anybody wants the shutdown. But in order to avoid that, you have to have some people who are going to be willing to negotiate and come to yes. So it looks like it could go right down to the wire again. It sounds like it. And you know, I suppose what they could do is another short-term extension. But, um, you know, the more that this happens, I think the more entrenched some people are going to be in terms of what could possibly be in this. So uh, it, it's going to be, I think, a, a, a week where we see a lot of twists and turns if they, if they don't get it sealed today. Meanwhile, on the trade front, we get closer to March 1. It doesn't look like the... Uh, President Trump will meet with the Chinese president, but talks will still continue. That's right. You know, we've got Undersecretary Ted McKinney and Ambassador Greg Dowd, who is our chief ag negotiator, headed back over to China. And those two really know their stuff. Uh, Later in the week, it's going to be 
U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of good things going on in terms of trying to figure out how to lift these tariffs and non-tariff barriers on beef, pork, poultry, grains. Um, there there seems to be some good momentum going into these talks. As you mentioned, the president's not going to meet. Instead, he's got a uh, meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, uh, February 27th and 28th in Vietnam. So this won't be the trip to meet with President Xi. But um, if these folks that we mentioned earlier can all get together with their Chinese counterparts and find a way forward, that would be very, very good for American agriculture and the country as a whole. Uh, but keep in mind, you know, we've already done quite a bit of damage with uh, some of our uh, trading partners as we've raised all these tariffs. And whether or not the relationship can get back on really solid footing with the Chinese remains to be seen. Yeah, that's still a big question indeed. We're talking with Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher and president of AgriPulse Communications. All right, Sarah, everyone is still reacting to, debating, trying to get their head around uh, the uh, the Green New Deal proposal that is out. And I don't think anybody thinks all that's going to uh, happen, but it sure creates a framework for debate and discussion uh, moving towards that uh, next presidential election. It does, and I think that there's a lot of energy behind the proponents for that. Uh, Representative Alexandria Ortega-Cortez and uh, some, of, uh, you know, some of her counterparts all have introduced this resolution. It's not a bill. It's a resolution. But it gives them that talking point about how they want to really you know, change our carbon footprint, be carbon neutral in 10 years. But some of the things are just not realistic, as you as you know, Mike. I mean, trying to eliminate all air traffic, um, except, of course, I guess we still get to use that to go over the oceans. But um, you know, there's a but but there's some good things too. I mean, certainly high speed rail is something that a lot of other countries have, and, and we have not been able to be successful at. I, I think that one thing I would encourage people to remember is that at one point I was a group, uh, part of a group uh, called 25 by 25, where we were calling for 25% renewable energy by 2025. And as you get closer to that, you see that we have made a lot of advancements. You know, look at our wind energy, look at our solar energy, look at uh, renewable fuels. All those things have been very, very good in our advancement, but we still haven't got there. And that is something that, you know, our groups are working on in, in early 2000, 2004 and, and five. So uh, these things take a long, long time, but uh, there is a, an energy behind uh, many in the Democratic Party who want to lift up these environmental, and especially the climate issues. So I think it behooves all of us in agriculture to be on the lookout and try to explain to people what this might mean to ag and rural economies if some of these things would come to bear. Yeah, I think there's some real opportunities, especially for renewable fuels, but I see a lot of agriculture, especially maybe the livestock industry and other segments too, uh, going to have to, as you said, tell their story, defend themselves and show, hey, we are uh, part of the solution here. We're not, the, we're not the problem. Absolutely, and there needs to be an understanding on the benefits of technology and innovation. If you want to have more innovative crops, you have to allow the research and the advancement of gene editing and GMOs and all those things that can really enable agriculture to be part of the solution 
and um, also look at, uh, you know, different feed rations for livestock, look at, at a lot of the, the things that can happen if we make investments in research and technology so that agriculture can help rather than being targeted all the time as, as part of the problem. All right, Sarah, as always, good to talk with you, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure. And I'm glad I I'm glad I can still get on a plane to go to Orlando to the National Ethanol Conference. That hasn't been abolished yet, so hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we know it'd be a long drive. And, and no it'd be a little late to get. Uh, I'd be off to a sl- late start if I if I had to drive it now. Okay, thanks, Sarah. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. All right, winter weather still over much of the uh, country and uh, causing some problems, real problems in areas. What's ahead for us this coming week? We'll talk with Mike Pomerino with DTN. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. Right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit standuptocancer.org to learn more. 
Together, we can save lives. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. Mike, uh, ballplayers are starting to report to spring training. Spring can't be that far away, but boy, a lot of places you look out the window and it seems like a long, long ways away. It sure does, Mike. Uh, fortunately for uh, anyone who's uh, having spring training down in Florida, the weather was quite mild down in there, but that's going to be one of the issues because of the fact that we're starting to see spring uh, blossom over the uh, southeastern part of the country, and we're still looking at the vestiges of the uh, polar vortex uh, sitting up uh, to the north. Uh, that is going to create uh, quite a uh, stormy weather pattern here, looking out over the next uh, week or 10 days, uh, right through the uh, uh, heart of the uh, Midwest. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough uh, period coming up with a lot of cold and stormy weather. Wow. So I'm headed to Orlando. I better enjoy my couple of days there, right, before I head back home to the Midwest. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Orlando is is going to be uh, uh, fantasy land uh, at this point because uh, reality is what most of the rest of the country is going to be experiencing. Well, it is the home of uh, fantasy, right, with the make those That's dreams right. come true. So, well, let's talk about uh, uh, this week ahead, uh, the stormy weather. What shapes and forms do you see it taking this week? Yeah, this initial storm here over the next 24 hours or so is uh, going to produce, it looks like, a band of moderate to heavy snow uh, from uh, northeast Iowa, southeast Minnesota, up into Wisconsin, and then there'll be a transition zone uh, of a mixture of uh, uh, snow, ice, and rain as you go southward. And then by the time you get down to the Ohio Valley, it's going to be a uh, uh, just generally a rain event, and some of that rain could be heavy. So we've got this initial system, and then we do it all over again uh, later on in the week. And uh, that system doesn't look like at this point it has quite as much moisture going forward but it's still going to add to the uh, totals here. And, you know, it's looking more and more like we're going to be dealing with some uh, uh, flooding and some uh, snowmelt issues, uh, spring snowmelt, uh, in the upper Midwest. So all signs right now are pointing towards uh, delays in getting out into the fields. Yeah, we have some saturated uh, soils, that's for sure. And with more moisture coming, as you said, just uh, no place for it to go right now. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, you know, we've seen this before, and uh, we're going to be dealing with it again. This has been much more the rule uh, than the exception over the last few years. And, you know, if this pans out the way it appears, uh, things are going to be a little bit late. But then, you know, as we get into mid to late spring, uh, a window of opportunity will open up. And, you know, as we know, this, you know, with uh, machinery the way it is now, uh, Producers can basically plant the state in about a week. Yeah, it looks like uh, we're going to be kind of on one of those schedules again this spring. All right, what about temperatures this week ahead? Uh, they look to be uh, on the cold side. Uh, you know, it's going to be very stratified, where if you're down south, uh, you're actually going to see some uh, rather mild conditions. 
but uh, by the time you get up into the heart of the Midwest, it's uh, it's not going to be an extreme week. You know, everything's kind of relative in this business, and compared to where we were a couple of weeks ago, um, this isn't going to be all that bad, but it's still going to be, you know, significantly below normal. Uh, the northern Midwest, uh, you know, you're talking highs mostly in the teens and 20s, and lows generally in the single numbers above and below zero. And then by the time you get down you know, into the southern portions of the Midwest, you'll be looking at highs mostly in the 30s to low 40s and, and lows mostly in the 20s. But consistently on the cool side, very variable, though, as you get south of the Ohio River where you could see some very mild days followed by uh, a day or two of cooler temperatures. What do you see ahead for the for the folks out west? They are just getting pounded uh, out there. It looks like another major system coming. We've had unusually snowy conditions, uh, persistently snowy in the Pacific Northwest in areas that normally don't get a lot of snow in the lower elevations. And now that activity is heading southward, and uh, we are just going to be pounding the Sierras and uh, uh, the California valleys and, you know, even to a degree uh, southern California, um, you know, they're, they're going to be measuring snow again out there in, in feet. And, again, you know, it looks like the same situation, uh, Mike, where we are putting a lot of moisture out there to get through the dry season, but all this moisture is just going to add to vegetative growth in the spring and, of course, you know, that cycle means that you're going to be under increased threat of wildfires again um, as we go into fall of uh, 2019. Yeah, a two-edged sword there. As we come, uh, let's bring it across uh, the plains. Uh, we know a lot of folks uh, in cattle country have been dealing with a lot of mud, and it looks sounds like that's going to continue. Yeah, it it. Uh, it doesn't appear to be too bad in the in the extreme southwestern plains feedlot areas. Those areas have really been rather dry, and uh, I was uh, kind of surprised to see how dry things have become. We did finally get a uh, crop report uh, from the state of Texas uh, back uh, uh, late last week, and it's showing some very dry soils right now in West Texas up through the Panhandle with the wheat crop there actually in need of more moisture. So from the perspective of the feedlots there, they're in pretty good shape. It doesn't look like much moisture coming in this week, but clearly any pastured cattle in the, uh, in the Midwest uh, between the snow and, uh, and, you know, the mixed precipitation uh, uh, with a lot of calving going on right now, they're having very stressful conditions once you get outside of those southwestern feedlots. What about the Nebraska, Kansas, uh, that part of the country, that area? Again, in the, in the far western portions of the belt, it, it doesn't look that bad. They're, they're going to be mostly on the dry side uh, this week with temperatures fluctuating uh, uh, either side of normal, some warm days followed by some cold days. But once you get sort of you know, I'd say east of the Missouri River, that's where things are, are really going to be tough. And, uh, you know, so that's more east of the, the main feedlot areas, but uh, clearly in a lot of pasture country out there. 
All right, we're talking with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. Mike, uh, give us a look at South America. What's their weather like? Well, uh, we're seeing some changes in the pattern down in there. You know, we had a very dry, unusually hot and dry uh, month of uh, January in uh, central Brazil. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything that persistently dry in that part of the world, and it clearly has had an impact on their bean crop. The rains are starting to return there now. I think too late to really help most of the beans, which are in the uh, maturing the harvesting stages there, but definitely helping that second crop corn that's planted uh, after the beans. The area that's been turning hotter and drier recently is in southern Brazil, where they had quite a bit of rain earlier in the season, and uh, that crop is now filling. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're starting to lose some beans down in there with temperatures over the weekend getting up in the low 100s. Um, so that's something to keep uh, a close eye on here going forward as they'll be filling through the end of the month. Argentina looks pretty good right now. They did see some rains overnight, uh, moderate to heavy. Beyond that, though, it does look drier as we go forward. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that because of the shift in the pattern here now. It looks like central Brazil looks wetter. Southern Brazil, central Argentina look drier. And uh, Argentina, you know, most of their pod fill for beans occurs uh, between mid-February and mid-March. So they're not out of the woods yet, although currently, you know, their crops are in pretty good shape. And I've heard some reports that they've actually increased uh, some of the production talk down in Argentina. All right. We continue to keep a close watch on that. As always, Mike, thanks for being with us this week. Talk to you again. Thank you, Mike. Take care. DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino with a look at uh, the weather. And again, sounds like for the Midwest, uh, more of that wintry mix and more precipitation. And uh, he, like uh, Bryce Anderson has been for the last several weeks, talking more and more about uh, perhaps a late spring for uh, much of the Midwest when it comes to getting to the field so we'll see how that plays out lots of numbers usda released on friday they were kind of catching up had the backlog um, from the government shutdown so all kinds of numbers came out on friday so everyone's kind of had the weekend to to kind of sift through them and get their give their thoughts and perspectives we'll see what steve nicholson grain and oilseed analyst with Robo AgriFinance has to say about the, those numbers. What stood out to him? What could that mean for us as far as the markets moving forward? Also, a little bit later on, we'll talk about it with John Newton, Chief Economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So lots of numbers to go over. We'll do that next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food. Cha-ching. And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food. Cha-ching. So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, 
share it, just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. An easier tone to the markets as we begin this trading week. The grain markets reacted to a plethora of numbers with a shrug on Friday. USDA did reduce final yields and production for both corn and soybeans. Corn lower than expected, down two and a half bushels per acre on the national average yield. Soybeans down than less than a half a bushel per acre. One notable change in world demand was a reduction in Chinese imports of soybeans by 2 million metric tons. That's a function of reduced crush and African swine fever, according to USDA. Soybean futures trending two to three and a fraction lower in early trade on this Monday. March soybeans edged to a firmer close on Friday. We climb from a retest of support at 9.07 and three quarters. Operating on this Monday, at 9.11 and a quarter, down three and a quarter. March corn down a penny and a quarter at 3.73. Friday's close below 3.74 and three quarters marked a downside breakout from the recent neutral trading range. That level now becomes resistance. In the wheats, two to four and a fraction lower in Chicago. March at 5.14 and a half. Kansas City March down three at 4.91 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat March near unchanged at 5.68 and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures. We are a nickel to 25 cents lower. February down a dime at 127.27. Feeder cattle March up 12 cents at 144.22. Lean hogs February up 17 at 55.22. Outside markets, the Dow up 6, S&P up 5, crude oil down 88 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. What to make of all those numbers out from USDA on Friday. Here to help us uh, kind of sift through all that is Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst with Bravo Agrofinance. Steve, thanks for joining us. Uh, wow, did your head just about explode Friday with all that information? Good morning, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot to take in. And this is, I mean, we go through this every year. Of course, we usually go through this in January uh, after, you know, a nice rest after the holidays. And we didn't get that this year. So it was kind of a lot to go through, as always. And, and, and I will tell you, I mean, my... This is a horrible thing to say, but my initial reaction was, oh, 
okay, I was kind of a yawner. I mean, there was just so much there. Um, but, it, you know, the markets surprisingly, you know, we got sort of the reaction there the first kind of 10 minutes, and then we we finished, and, and you assume they would be, the, the, the reports were fairly friendly to markets. Markets react to that, and then within, you know, 10 minutes or so, we were back down for the day, and, you know, we're down here this morning. So the fact that we lost almost two bushels uh, on the yield on corn, and we lost, you know, half a bushel on beans, and, you know, the stocks contracted on corn and soybeans, and the market like, okay, yeah, that's a little friendly for now, but not over, overall wasn't. And I, and I think that's probably the right direction was that I think the market was anticipating that we would see a little bit lower production. Um, we didn't, surprisingly, didn't change harvest yield very much, um, considering all the pain and, and suffering trying to get hard, you know trying to get this crop out of the ground last fall um but the fact is the market's sort of oh, okay we still got 1.7 billion bushels of corn and we've got 900 million bushels to carry out on on um on beans i think the biggest surprise for me though was when i looked at when i looked at uh kansas city wheat you know you saw a big drop off over a million i think about a million five in planted acres of winter wheat and Kansas City wheat was down for the day, and it's down again today. And you're just sort of scratching your head about that, thinking, "Ooh." And I think the the thing I would say about wheat is that you now have got a situation where, if anything gets any, if we have any other weather problems with wheat, you could see a, a pretty explosive situation there with wheat going forward. Particularly when you look at where we are today and think, you know, we're down at contra, you know, almost contract lows for July Kansas City wheat and. Wow, I mean, the upside, you know, could be pretty, pretty explosive there. Okay, that's interesting on wheat. Now, what about corn and soybeans? What, what are the markets telling us? What signals are they sending? Well, you know, the, the markets are telling us pretty clearly that you know they really don't. I mean, the fact is, we're going to carry on both. It's not a full carry, which is a little puzzling, and we have that discussion on Friday here in the office. Um, but the markets telling us that. We have plenty of product. We're not running out of corn. Uh, we're not running out of soybeans, and we're not concerned about that at this point. Um, you know, I think that's the other thing is that, you know, you wonder the economics of this when you start looking at the production costs is that, you know, it is more expensive to plant corn, but there is potential for profitability in corn looking ahead right now. And you look at these corn now is under $4, uh, you know, on the board. Um, you know, which was, we had, that wasn't the case, of course, a week ago. Uh, but, you know, there is some probably potential there on corn for profitability. You know, soybeans are just a lot more challenging. But we've just got more, in, in a sense, the market's saying we have more than enough stuff to, you know, to fill the demands that we need to fulfill right now. And that's true globally. We should talk about that probably as well. Yeah, I want to get into that. We're talking with Steve Nicholson, Vice President, Robo Research, Food and Agribusiness, Grains and Oil Seeds Analyst. Steve, let's let's look at the global picture. What what do the numbers tell us? Yeah, I think the the first thing is that we have to talk a little bit about South America, and I think that's the that's the first place. And let's focus on soybeans. As we've talked before, you know, Brazil right now, USDA is 117. Um, our analyst in in Sao Paulo, that's about where he is, 117, 118 million metric tons. Now, that will be the second largest, if it's realized, that will be the second largest uh, Brazilian soybean crop on record. Now, the market got excited because, oh, my gosh, it's below 130 million metric tons. So that was early season um, process, you know, 
projections. And so it's, let's keep it in perspective. And that's a, 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 I've used that word a lot this, summer, this winter to keep things in perspective. You know, the other thing, too, when we look at corn, uh, we do see probably a larger corn crop in, in Argentina and a larger corn crop in Brazil and also a larger corn crop out of, of Ukraine. And the same thing for wheat. Larger wheat crop in Ukraine this year, a larger wheat crop in Europe this year uh, is all going to weigh on the fact that we, again, have very large stocks globally around the world. Uh, and that's going to cause um, some, you know, some downward pressure on, on prices going forward. I just, it seems like we're, the feeling is we're still waiting on some kind of news about China, waiting. And yeah. I'm again, and I'm wondering, of course, depends on what that news is. Is that going to be, or is that going to be already built in too? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, no, I don't think it's built in yet, to be honest with you, Mike. I, th- I do think that once we, let's just assume that we get a, we get a, a trade deal here before March 1. And I, and I will tell you, I mean, it, it, every day that goes by that it just seems like this drags on, you, you get a little concerned that maybe that's not going to happen. Um, but I think we have to remain hopeful. Um, I think it will, will create a positive, a positive upgrade, a positive upgrade to um, a positive move on the soybean market initially. And I think that's what we have to think about going forward is that, is that we will see that. But I will tell you, it's probably going to be short-lived. And if you're a, um, if you're a seller of soybeans, which most of you know, your, your listeners are, um, I think you need to get your orders in place to sell and be ready for that time when it does get a pop. And it could be as much as 20, you know, you could get a, a, a 15 to 25 cent pop in soybeans. And I think it's, it's worth, if it fits your cost of production and fits your profit goals, I would get those orders in place and get them there now. So in case this thing happens, because we all know this could happen on a on a, it could happen overnight, and that may be your that may be your opportunity to get something done and you move on. And it may be very it could be a very short lived pop. And then I think the market will, as it did all summer last year, you know the market looked at the fundamentals and thought, gosh, look at that, how many beans we have here and how many beans we have, you know, in in the world. And that, and that's the thing is we it looks like. You know, assuming Brazil produces the crop it is producing right now, um, we're probably going to see uh, record global soybean stocks uh, going in. You know, into the eighteen in this eighteen nineteen year, uh, because we're going to have a fairly good sized crop in Brazil and a fairly good sized crop in in, in um, Argentina. So, I think that's the, that would be my you know my coaching um, to use a compliance number or a compliance term. When I look at soybeans, get your orders in where you think the market will go, or where you need it to be, and be and be get hit, be be in a position to get get those filled when the market does react accordingly, because it be a, it could be a quick up and down. It's also interesting to look at our production trends. I mean, the old days yeah. of thinking, well, if I have good crops, but uh, other places <laughs> around the country have bad years, I'm going to yep. benefit from that because the prices are going to go up. It seems now. When we look at these trends, even when there are bad pockets, uh, you know, barring just some widespread weather uh, disaster, a drought, or just constant rain throughout the year, it looks like what we're seeing is we now produce big numbers, even with problem areas around the country. Absolutely, and and that's and that's the remarkable thing, and and I think we have to, you know, kudos to all those folks who breed those plants and all those people who plant those plant those seeds and raise them. 
when you look at corn, and I've said this before, it almost looks bulletproof. Now, and, and like you said, it doesn't matter. We could have the, the, corn, the corn plant seems a lot more tolerant of, of bad weather than it ever has before. Soybeans have been a, seem a little less tolerant in some ways. You know, they have a little bit, they struggle a little bit if things don't go quite right for them. But corn just seems like, you know, we've had, what, four years, and someone will probably correct us on this, we've had four years of above trend yield corn yield. And, and, and you talk to any producer out there, and they'll say, have you had perfect years? And, none of them, and they'll all, tell, all say to you no. So it is remarkable we're able to produce. And I think I won't say that weather can't, you know, hurt us because it, it very well could. You know, I worry about, you know, do we have some disease or something coming through that could hurt us? When you look at corn, it all comes, you know, has a very common bloodline or genes. Um, so you wonder about disease. But, you know, right now it just seems like it is just bulletproof and can survive anything. And, and about that, the time that, we start thinking is, that, something does come along, right? <laughs> that's right. And, and that's the thing. Yeah. Is, it's, it's like we always say when the market, um, you know, the market all leans to the bearish side or all the bullish side, then, boy, you better look out because something's coming down the pike that could hurt us. So yeah. it, is, okay. it is remarkable. Anyway. Yeah, these trends have been amazing uh, these last several years. Okay, uh, real quick, uh, when you see how the markets are reacting today, have we just moved on from these numbers, waiting for new news now, or, or what are we trading on right now? Yeah, I think the market now, it's, you know, it's got these numbers behind them. It's digested them, and now it's moving forward, looking at China. Um, it's, it's concerned about this, you know, I, I see that um, Mnuchin, I believe it's Mnuchin and, and uh, Lighthizer are heading to China on Wednesday. Uh, to have a discussion, that's that's a good thing, the fact that Robert Lighthizer is involved. Um, but the fact is, you know, we don't see any sort of um, framework or any sort of discussion of this. The other discussion this morning I saw was that, you know, the president's concerning double tariffs on March 1. And so that's, that's folk, you know, that's really hurting the market going forward. Um, you know, it just, the market just needs a little good news um, on the trade front, I think, to be happy. And I think the other thing we have to worry about a little bit here is NAFTA. You know, the NAFTA, you know, has been signed, but it has not been passed by the Congress, and there are people on both sides of the aisle in both chambers who have issues with, you know, the new NAFTA or USMCA. And I think the markets worry about that, too. They'd like to see both of those, both of these trade issues resolved and move forward, and I think that would certainly be good news to the markets. All right, Steve. Thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Take care. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Stay warm and dry. Okay, thanks. Steve Nicholson, Vice President, Robo Research, Food and Agribusiness, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst. We'll get some more thoughts on uh, Friday's numbers and talk some uh, dairy programs with the Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton, next on AOA. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Are you thinking about buying medicine online? A search for online pharmacies yields more than 20 million results. But which ones can you trust? Medicines bought from unlicensed online pharmacies can be dangerous. You may get a fake drug, your condition may get worse, or you may experience a bad reaction. Don't put your health at risk. To learn how to find an online pharmacy that's safe and legal, visit FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the 
the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. And a reminder that tomorrow and Wednesday, I'll be in Orlando, Florida, broadcasting from the National Ethanol Conference. And we'll get an assessment of where the industry's at. There's some challenging times right now for the ethanol industry. Um, and also some uncertainty about what's going to happen with E15. And always the talk about what's going to happen moving forward with the RFS and small refinery exemptions things like that. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Also the high octane, low carbon push and the the discussion now with the, you know, now that we have the uh, something to talk about as far as the proposed resolution on the Green New Deal. What does that mean for renewable fuels? We'll be talking about that uh, coming up the next couple of days as well. But uh, right now, still lots of talk about uh, the numbers that came out on Friday. And we're also um, getting information about some programs that are available through the Farm Bill, some options now for dairy producers that can be of help for them in some uh, tough economic times. Let's talk about all that with John Newton, the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thanks for joining us. First of all, anything really stand out to you from all those numbers Friday from USDA uh, that uh, uh, really caught your attention? What was your takeaway from Friday? You know, that was uh, quite a lot of information that USDA put out on Friday. I think what, what a lot of folks were obviously looking at was the production estimate. This is the time of year where USDA will revise, you know, the yield and production estimate. We did see uh, some revisions downward, both on the corn and soybean side. But attention really starts to focus on the demand side of the equation. We didn't see a lot of changes on either the corn or soybean balance sheet uh, on demand. I think some folks uh, really were hoping to see something on the soybean uh, side when you consider that Soybean exports year-to-date are down 40%, and USDA uh, barely adjusted the soybean export figure. So, you know, those were things that I was focused on. I think we're going to see in the coming months uh, USDA is going to have to really face the reality when it comes to soybean export pace. We're simply uh, nowhere near where we need to be to get to USDA's estimate. So as we look at 2019, Barring a major production, I mean major production problem, it's all about trade still, right? Trade certainly still uh, very important for for a lot of crops. Uh, we, you know, we're getting ready to to get into the planting season. We'll see the March intentions report uh, that'll come out. Uh, you know, most people expect that we're going to plant anywhere between eighty two and eighty six uh, million acres of soybeans. Last year we planted 89 million acres. So we're still going to have a lot of soybeans in the ground. We're going to see an increase in corn acres uh, for sure. So yeah, barring some sort of production setback, uh, we're looking, you know, and even if we get a, a crop that's close to trend, we're going to have a lot of product to move. Uh, and, and then the story is going to be uh, consumption once again. And then you come back to those export markets. We're talking with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, um, 
the ag economy is certainly uh, struggling right now, and in particular uh, for the dairy industry, these are tough times uh, once again. But there are some options available to them, um, more options than they've had in the past as far as some help uh, through the Farm Bill. Kind of uh, go through these uh, options for us and uh, what you see as uh, opportunities for dairy producers here to, to get some needed assistance. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, row crop producers – uh, field crop guys have had the benefit of using not only crop insurance tools, your revenue protection policies, but also your traditional Title I programs like your ARC and your PLC or your ACRE program back in the 2008 Farm Bill. They've been able to use both of those things simultaneously. And I think one of the things that we saw this year really going back to 2018 Bipartisan Budget Act and in this Farm Bill is for the first time ever dairy farmers have the full suite of the federal risk management tools available to them. So they've got a significantly enhanced Title I program. The dairy margin coverage program in the 2018 Farm Bill is something that every single dairy farmer needs to take a look at. It's a no-brainer decision for the first 5 million pounds of milk to sign up for the 950 coverage level at 15 cents. You get a discount if you do it for five years and the premium refund uh, can be further applied to participating in DMC. It is a hands-down uh, no-brainer. There really shouldn't be a decision that needs to be made as far as DMC enrollment. Then you add on top of that things like dairy revenue protection, which we worked for two years to develop. You know, That's a crop insurance-style program. It allows dairy farmers to protect uh, their revenue from milk sales. It's really uh, driven and, and modeled and built to try to protect against declines in the value of milk. Folks can use a component-based or class pricing option, so they can really tailor it to their farm-level milk, milk price risk. Uh, and one of the things with Dairy RP that, that we're happy we just launched this last week, if you go to DairyRP.com, uh, we've got a free decision tool on there that farmers can use to understand how Dairy RP will work, what kind of revenue it can protect, and even give you a price if you wanted to buy it. Dairy RP is available every single day for purchase, and we've already covered 15 billion pounds of milk in the U.S. since this program was launched back in October. Hmm. So uh, some questions come up about can you use more than one of those at the same time, or if you're in one, does that mean you can't use the others? Uh, Can you explain any of that for us about, uh, you know, just some of those questions about what what, uh, combinations maybe can or cannot be used? That's a that's a fantastic question, and again, I think it comes back to dairy farmers aren't used to having all these tools available to them, and now, again, for the first time ever, they do. So dairy farmers can fully use the DMC Title One program, put as much milk as they want up to up to ninety five percent of their production history can be enrolled in that. Then with Dairy RP, you can put a hundred percent of your milk in the Dairy RP program, so you can use those two programs simultaneously. Uh, you can also use the Livestock Gross Margin Insurance Program. Uh, that's limited to 24 million pounds of fiscal year, and you can't simultaneously participate in the same months in dairy revenue and LGM. But as far as looking at the most popular tools, the, the most popular tools right now, dairy revenue protection, again, 15 billion pounds of milk covered in just a couple months, and then the dairy margin coverage. That's just it's such a fantastic deal, I would suggest. Folks, layer the two. Use DMC again, five million pounds at nine fifty. If you have more than five million, use tier two at four or five dollar catastrophic coverage levels. Those are really affordable. All right, John. Good information. Thank you very much. Good to talk with you again. Thank you so much.
Take care. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, and we are out of time. I'm off to Orlando, the National Ethanol Conference. I'll be broadcasting from there tomorrow and Wednesday. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 